Hey, hey, what do you say? This is Bobby Blitz from Overkill. That's right, and you are listening to Sonic Perspectives. Michael the Metal Angel Francisco, and I'm interviewing the one and only Bobby Blitz Elsewhere from the Long Lasting Overkill. We're about to talk about the new album and everything else. All right, happy birthday. You just turned 60. Yeah, I like that. God damn, you look good for 60. <laughs> I mean, you had the nose cancer, you had wait, all the wait, other. I, I, just, I, I just woke up, I take afternoon naps. You can tell, I wasn't trying to be shitty outside. I'm like, no. I don't want to bother you. I'm like holding potato chips in one hand, beer in the other. Can you sign this? I'm like, what do I drop? <laughs> right, yeah, right. But I mean, you know, you've been on the road for 35 years, and you know, for you to be turning 60 and after kicking ass, like I said, what, 16 years ago you had the nose cancer deal? This was back in the uh, 90s, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. I mean, it's been over 20 years. 20 years. Okay. I had it, and uh, I've, it, nothing's ever recurred. So. Okay, really? Yeah. And your health is great all around? Pretty good, yeah. That's awesome. I mean, not, so you know, not bad. I mean, it's still energetic. I mean, I've always said I'd do this as long as I could do it at, you know, at a high level or more than acceptable level it's always been an energy induced band so uh hey it's still uh, kicking ass and taking names so that's, that's awesome uh, that's the important thing and i heard that uh after defiance dropped off tonight so it's just mothership death angel and you guys it's still an early ending show huh they never they never were on it after uh, they dropped off it prior to uh, us going out i think chris broderick uh, started Joined working in flames so. right that's what i heard so i mean I, we found out about this in europe and uh that they weren't going to do it so that was uh, prior to the start of the tour. That was March. Wow, because Nuclear yeah. Blast was promoting all the all the things were showing them on the on the you know the venue bills and all that kind yeah. of stuff like that. So we were ignorant. We just assumed they were on the bill. But good for Chris Broderick. I mean, yeah, yeah, good guy. Act, Act of Defiance is a tremendous waste of talent in my opinion. You got some great musicians, and they should all be doing other things. And Chris Broderick from Megadeth and Jack Panzer. Glad he's doing something like that. Yeah, so. we like we like uh, Sean and Chris very much. Right, and, and I think Jason's. Uh, Matt plays in there. How we used to be in Shadows Fall. Which right, is, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah, yeah. You got two members of Shadows Fall because you got the uh, drummer from Shadows Fall, and I got the <laughs> bass player from Shadows Fall, and yeah, you got Jason from Shadows Fall, uh, previously a Flotsam, and uh, he's really that new album. His drumming is just sensational. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's really the X factor on it for sure. I mean, it's changed the chemistry, uh, but it still has an overkill stamp on it at the end of the day, which is to us the important thing. Um, that, you know, the vision for us is always, well, it's got to be overkill. That's right. the only vision we really have. It's not right. like, oh, we're painting with broad strokes this time or small strokes. We are, we just want it to be overkill. And uh, Jason has uh, more than just followed us, been a friend of ours since he was a teenager. You know, I mean, yeah. he would show up in upstate New York with a couple sticks and <laughs> you know, look to play or, you know, hope he could fill in or sit in. Um, and he did, uh, when he was in Shadows Fall during uh, the NAMM convention, we happened to be uh, coming through Los Angeles and we let him sit in, oh, I don't know, 2006 or something like that. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I know, and I talked to him when he joined Flotsam uh, a number of years ago, That he was so grateful to do that, and he brought that, you know, their, their self-titled album home and stuff like that. And you could definitely, definitely tell on the new album, The Wings of War, exactly 
he, he did he help do some of the writing as far as or was it just you and Didi again or well primarily we I mean you don't you don't get somebody with his talent and say this is what you got to play we say we'd like to go in this direction and it was a skeletal uh, demo done with you know finger drums kind of a okay. thing just in that direction just to give him an idea and then we said do whatever you want okay this is this is how we hear it but we'd like to know how you hear it and uh, boy he would. Uh, I mean, he'd send you eight or ten changes a day. Once we demoed everything and we had real tracks with him on it, um, he could change those tracks up at his studio. And I think for the song Head of a Pin, I must have gotten eight uh, different drum tracks in one day. Really? Yeah, because, I mean, he was so, he, I mean, he was, he, he caught fire, you know, that kind of a thing. You know, he always wanted to be in this band. He had said, um, I, it, the audition was very simple. It was done over a phone. Uh, Do you want to be in now? Uh, I said, well, at the end of this tour, we're going to move into it. He goes, give me 10 minutes. i got to ask my wife. Because uh, <laughs> I just told her I'm leaving. I was leaving the touring life. And he called back in 10 minutes and said, I'm in. And that was the audition. So. And your previous drummer, who used to be in a great Jersey band, Hades, has teamed up with Didi for his new solo album. Yeah. So it's good that you guys are all keeping it. Yeah, Ryan's not, Ryan is by no means a slob. I'm not, they're, right, they're right, both right. great drummers that, uh, I'm not going to say at equal levels, uh, but the uh, but different drummers. And, right, right. Um, and Ron was instrumental in helping the band get to the point where we were since, uh, let, let's say, the Ironbound era. Right, of the right, band, right. You know, absolutely. and um, but Jason um, gives us the opportunity to go other places. I think at this point, which is which is kind of great, because you know some people who really don't uh, know the nuances of the band who look at it from the outside or like a few songs, they say, "Oh, the band never changes." Well, obviously it does, from record to record. Wow, yeah. And and a... every song on. <laughs> On on uh, the Wings of War, for instance, has uh, different nuances and, and different personality. Absolutely, um, they're not. It's not the same song. I think we've always prided ourselves that sure it sounds like Overkill at the end of, end of the day, but each song's to have an individual personality. Right. Own. And I spent the last couple of weeks going back and playing Grinding Wheel, Electric Age, Ironbound, and. It seems like you're kind con- of no pun intended, but you're constantly reinventing the wheel. But I think we talked last time. You talked about basically putting a fresh coat of paint on a house that's already standing. Yeah, and yeah. That's a good analogy. Yeah, updated. I mean, it's it's not about a, a departure. I mean, we know what we are. I mean, sure, we live in a box. We just find new things within the box. I mean, that's that's kind of the idea. I mean, you're not going to hear us at uh, you know. Uh, 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 symphonic parts to, <laughs> to to overkill i mean it, it is meat and potatoes but every now and then something kind of strange on there or going in a different direction or you know adding the groove to the speed um is it incites us to to do more stuff um inspires us to to say hey this is still this is still working it's still relevant in in the current day not just uh living a, in a nostalgic age in our head and mailing the tracks and so we can tour you know it's it's about kind of creating something that's got value in the present day absolutely and you're so articulate about this and you've been incessantly touring i mean it's like you put out an album almost almost clockwork like every two years and then tour 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 and interesting it's i'm looking at the live live uh, overhausen um you did obviously feel the fire and you obviously did horoscope in the entirety so any chance now we're celebrating 30 years of years of decay any chance of <laughs> that coming out or okay we're just we're just opportunist scumbags is what we are. <laughs> this was this live in overhausen was uh, based on oh, obviously we love the records uh, oh. but we're not really anniversary people we'd rather stay in the current day but we owed uh, nuclear blast uh, a dvd oh, okay and you know somebody said we were all sitting around a dressing room in belgium and 
somebody said, oh, we should do a horoscope because it's uh, a 25th anniversary. Oh, okay. But everybody does that shit. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of our thinking. And, and then the idea was, hey, well, it's 30 for Field of Fire. If we can, uh, if we put both in in only one night and not do it on an entire tour, then it would actually be special. Right. So that was the idea behind this, and it was, uh, it was a, you know a memorable night for us and a great package and a real good live record we're proud of. Definitely, definitely. And I remember following from Power and Black demo all the way up to when Years of Decay came out. That album was like overkill, but it was also overkill with a twist because it had slower songs and it had more epic songs and of course Skull Crusher which rules yeah. and and it's just to hear that as a thrasher back in the mid 80s to hear that was just unbelievable that okay they're not just thrash 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 you know they're not just power thrash there's diversity and I think that set the the benchmark for what Overkill continued to do in album after album and it's interesting because I thought Ironbound was a reinvention of your sound but then it's, it's it's like you guys are continually evolving, which is amazing. Well, Not just band members, but musically. It keeps us interested in it. I mean, first and foremost, you know. I mean, it, there's, there's a standard, that's for sure. Um, you know, so, you know, my thinking behind it is that it, it makes it interesting if there is change. Um, and, and I always think of Years of Decay is a great record for us, but I think of it as something that culminated, you know, kind of the first chapter in the book because right, right. Uh, it only gone so far to that point, and that was its best the best representation of that lineup. Right, and, right, right. You know, and, and it was time for a change. I mean, some, I mean, how many bands can do 19 records? Well, you can do 19 no. records if you don't do it with the same fucking four guys at the beginning <laughs> because that just won't work. Or the same formulaic sound like oh, ACDC right. or something like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, it just doesn't work. So it was necessary for us to move in you know, after the years of K, to, to start a new era with Horoscope, which I think Absolutely. it kind of is a signature for a new era for Absolutely us. Because it's not years of K. And right. that's uh, that's kind of the cool thing about it, but still has its, you know, it's still rooted in what the overkill principle has become. But uh, even from since. the underground below and Killing Kind, when, 90, when the 90s was all like, metal was not popular in the US, those albums still were just, I mean, you know, just, they were still metal. I mean, you guys are one of the few bands I know everybody talks about the big four, which is a bunch of bullshit, but you guys are one of the true bands that have stood the test of time, whether you want to call it, I call it just metal, but I mean, whether it be thrash or whatever, you guys have continually put out quality albums, whereas so many other bands are kind of up and down on the roller coaster. Well, you know, I mean, there's, you know, it's a two-pronged thing. You know, the 90s came in and, you know, the major labels abandoned uh, the thrash scene and moved over to saying, oh, who else is coming out of Seattle? Who else is coming out of Seattle? How can we... You know, how can we cut our expenses and sign more of these bands? Because that's important. And that's what major labels do. I mean, I hold no grudge. I mean, that's, I get it. You know, that was, as, as soon as you signed a contract, you knew that you were going to one day be dropped. <laughs> you, know what, you know what I mean? It was Absolutely. just like, it's just a matter of when. Right. But I, I kind of look at it as a blessing because, um, you, you know, the majors gave us the opportunity to, to be visible everywhere, you know, or Atlantic did. Um, but we also had the individual attention that Megaforce records right, gave us. Because a lot of the Atlantic records, what you think they are, are really Megaforce records that are distributed absolutely, by Atlantic. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, yeah. uh, so when the 90s came along, uh, we knew that to do what we loved doing, uh, we had to understand the business aspect of it. And we had great managers who taught us, pay attention, this is important. Not like, shut up, I'll make the decisions. So it was, it was that first premise. So... When we got rid of management, um, 
we increased our cash flow by 20% just right then just to be able to do what we love doing. Um, because we needed, you, you can't get to Cincinnati if you don't have any fucking money. Yeah. <laughs> you could say, oh, yeah, but I love it. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, look at, so we were realists as well as dreamers. Um, and, I, and I think the 90s and those records you mentioned are, are some of the proudest for me because, uh, you know, a lot of other guys just packed up the tent and went home, you know. And, uh, and there was a few bands that hung around and because they understood the principle of, of positive cash flow is necessary to do what you love doing. And uh, even though it wasn't easy, so it's nineties um, are nineties are a great time in, in my head to, to look back on. I'm glad I'm not living in the now. Oh, yeah, put yeah. it that way. <laughs> you guys recently, well, not recently, already three years ago, put out that amazing uh, box set. But we were all jonesing for the Megaforce Atlantic era. I uh, found out that there was a Japanese label that actually did remaster some of the early Overkill stuff, um, especially Years of Decay and all that stuff. Have you heard any of those yet? Listen, I, I can't tell you, we are so uninvolved. I mean, this stuff is booted. It's uh, it's just done under the radar. You know, you try to get the, the Atlantic catalog back just so that we could have our hand in it uh, because it's our stuff. Right, uh, right. And, it, you know, it's like talking, we would have to go come in with, you know, big high-powered lawyers right. to do this, you know? And, and uh, we're not at that level. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Listen, everybody picks up the phone when James Hetfield calls. You right. know, I get the answering machine. <laughs> That's a good analogy. That's what I said. He's, he's so articulate. But, um, well, I, I, uh, I think these are legit because it's Japan, and Japan's market. It's not like Russian bootlegs. No, but that's it, true. But it's, yeah. good to, it's good to hear that because those are the albums we want remastered the most because sometimes I feel like I'm listening to Feel the Fire or um, Taking Over on my cassette. It sounds better. Uh, I was like, interesting. Um, I'm friends with Bobby Gustafson on Facebook. Okay. And I actually got a copy of Taking Over from the library, and this was an Atlantic reissue, piece of shit CDR put out by Atlantic with just uh, scanned artwork. And I just was like... How more can you rip off the band? And he was like, "What is this? Is this a legitimate?" I'm like, "I got it from my library, so they didn't get it from some bootleg. It's legitimate. It's just that's what some of these labels, even Nuclear Blast, is doing it. Uh, lesser bands is putting out CDRs because apparently vinyl, obviously, is the big seller right now, and people still love digital. But those of us nerds who still like CDs, <laughs> so. Yeah. But I am glad to see that you know that is available stuff because that's yeah. for me. That's what I said. For me, it was like I heard the Power in Black. You know, and then I heard Feel the Fire, and I'm, so I've actually followed you uh, every album consistently, consecutively, and I'm very grateful yeah. to have had that privilege. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of a journey we're both taking. I mean, at least in the Overkill thing, and and probably the scene for that matter. The scene, definitely. I mean, I know that you're probably you know attached to many of the bands from that scene, and have followed them the uh, you know the same way. And I, I think that you know it. The thing is, is that you want to put your hands on it because the music to you has value. You know, right. it has value to us. And I think that value stems from the fact that the majors eventually got the fuck out of there. Right, you know, right, and stopped, right. You know, yeah, stopped fucking polluting the gene pool. You know, we were, you know, it gave us the opportunity to go back to what we had known. And that was just quite simply the underground where there was no fucking rules. You know, where you could, you could be profane and not have somebody in the major go, is he saying shit in the song? You know, I don't know if we can use this for the video. You know, and then you're telling the guy Thanks to go fuck himself. And he goes, I hear saying shit because he told me to go fuck myself. Thanks it's for so nothing. formulized, whereas the, what the beauty of this is non-formula, but um, template. Right. Um, it's not supposed to have any rules. You know, the the idea is that it's supposed to be uh, avant-garde to the norm, even though it's done 
with our stamp on it for so many years and recognizable. The, the attraction I have to this kind of music as a fan is that it still speaks of youthful angst to me and it still speaks of, uh, I don't know, progressive musicianship from, from record to record um, in its genre. And I think that people that were attracted to it appreciate that and you know, recognize its purity. And you can still hit those highs on those classic songs. Tom and Raya love him, but, you know, he can't hit the highs. And, you know, Rob Halford is trying to hit the highs, but you still hit the highs on some of them. So obviously by the overhouse and hearing some of the songs, like, you know, from Feel the Fire that you probably hadn't played for a while, where you have to hit that stuff yeah. the high. That's just pretty impressive. Yeah, I was really happy with that record. I didn't have to re-record anything on that that's, record. That's you know, that so was awesome. like... Uh, you know, it's, um, you know, for me, you know, first and foremost, I still get excited to do this. Uh, it's not just another show. It's, uh, and this is the important show in my career is tonight. Really? And it, well, if you think of it that way, that's how 30, oh, 40 okay. years come. Yeah, I mean, I only knew that in hindsight. Right. Looking back saying, well, I treated each one like it was important. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. but when it comes to the voice being able to, it's actually gotten better since the Ironbound record because, you know, I just dropped the butts. It was just, I mean, I was... I was a two-pack-a-day, you know, <laughs> coffin nails, you know, that <laughs> cowboy killers. I mean, I had Marlboro dang dangling from my lips at the dinner table, and you yet, know what you, I mean? And yet Udo still smokes like six packs a day and still can hammer it out. So Some I, people do, yeah, right. I, I mean, do it's, uh, but for Ryan me, <laughs> it's given me the opportunity to uh, to be able to hit the highs. Uh, That's awesome. And actually, in some cases, even on a new record, higher highs, uh, awesome. which is... Um, uh, Hey, you know, it, I, it's funny, I, but I became a singer at 55, not at <laughs> not at 25. You yeah, know, you know what I mean? Um, interesting enough, a little anecdote. Uh, the first time I ever saw you here was in 1985. You guys were opening for Slayer on the uh, Live on Dead tour. They hadn't even put I remember, out. Yeah, I remember and, the tour. And yeah. You guys were amazing, yeah. and that's that's when I, I was knew. feel the fire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys were feel the fire, and they were Live on Dead, and it was an incredible show. <laughs> yeah. That's when I knew it was like, okay, I've heard these guys on the radio, not the radio, I heard them on underground radio, yeah. and I heard demos and stuff, and I was like, I, I gotta get this right away, you know. And then you, an interesting, got the CD later, years later, with the Sonic producer, actually <laughs> watched that movie, uh, the uh, CBGB movies on uh, streaming on Amazon the other day. <laughs> it was just so funny to see the guy from Harry Potter play one of the dead boys. <laughs> it, was just, it was just amusing in of, its, in of itself. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you, uh, people are saying that you guys are bringing out still some older songs you haven't played in a while in the in the set, possibly from maybe like WFO or something like that. Is yeah. that true, or are those just rumors? Oh, we're doing two off WFO and two off WFO. Oh. Yeah, and uh, it's one of them. Uh, we got Necroshine made it back into the set, which was kind of fun. Uh, Deny the Cross from Taking Over made it back into the set. It's one of them. Uh, Bastard Nation. Bastard Nations in there, yeah. Bastard Nation <laughs> under one. Uh, Necro Shine. Sorry. Oh, boy, I'm trying to think. Um, Feel the fire made it back in the set. That's fantastic. Um, and four new ones, right? Um, tonight I think there's three because we're switching on and off. We're doing Last Man Standing to open. Um, tonight we do Head of a Pin, uh, but we switch that every night back and forth with Distortion with Head distortion. of a Pin. Okay. Um, and then um, we do Garden State. Oh, but that's my other thing I was going to segue to. You talk about following the scene. Nothing beats Jersey Metal and the Knights of Old Bridge and everything from that 80s era. <laughs> and I do, man. We, we actually saw, uh, what's his name from Eddie Trunk's show? Um, 
Don Jamison at a at a show. He was opening for it was Franville, right? Mm -hmm. And it was so funny because I was wearing a Haiti shirt. He's like, "Way to represent!" And I was just like, "Dude, I love Jersey metal. You have no idea from Jersey Dog to Attacker. I mean, it's not just Overkill. I'm like a Jersey, and I've never even been to Jersey. I've never even been to the Garden State. But that Garden State song and that video that has that kind of like uh, old kind of punk sound, kind of like you know the song you like. Um, I'm drawing a blank. the song that Stephen loves. Old school. Old school, thank you. <laughs> he still remembers that. You know, he, yeah, uh, yeah. You, uh, we brought him here, uh, I don't know when, when that was. Ten years but ago, But he I think. loved old school, and yeah, you, you guys played it, and you dedicated yeah, it. Yeah, for our son, he's now 15. <laughs> he still remembers that. Yeah. So, oh, that's cool. You guys just did a whole like anthology of videos talking about the Garden State, and talking yeah. about Jersey, and talking about your history, and how important that era was. Yeah. Um, was, was that like something that was like nuclear blast asked you to do or was it something you guys have been wanting to do for a while or they do uh they do uh video trailers for you know that lead up to uh their recordings and right. this is only our second record for nuclear, uh, nuclear america right. you know we've right. been on nuclear europe right, uh, right. prior but um yeah. they wanted us to come out to california and sit in front of a green screen and and answer questions that were um, prepared for us about the record and about the recording and and Gerardo and I get along great who Gerardo runs Nuclear Blast uh, America okay. and I said dude I said you're making a mistake with this the real thing is bring them here send a, you'll, you'll save yourself a fortune we'll all just come in we'll we'll meet in a central area somewhere in Jersey somewhere we record somewhere that we've played you see things we'll take uh, you know shots of the landscape of the of the shore and uh, you'll get the real deal then. You, you know, you'll get credibility added to your trailers. Uh, and he was like, dude, this is a fucking great idea. Let's do that. I, he goes, first of all, I love the credibility. Second of all, saving me half of the money is a great thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But it was, um, you know, it's funny when I, because uh, we had to approve them and rewatch them and uh, before they went out. And, uh, you know, I thought to myself when I was done with it that if you read or, or, or listened between the lines, um, uh, not just what we were saying about what we did and how it developed and who we knew and, and how it worked, between the lines is what misses in the modern era today. That the modern era for us is a mix of what you hear on that, of us talking and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um, but as social as we were back then, it's what's missing for a young band to be able to go out and be able to kick the door in. Right, right. Because uh, you don't kick the door in, you, you do it um, via band the camp. web yeah, band today. Camp, right. You know, we, we would kick the door in and there'd be somebody on the other side and sometimes we had to defend ourselves. <laughs> you know, but, but that's the, uh, the human aspect that misses in the modern day. And I'm not saying, hey, there's, listen, there's, there's nothing wrong with instantaneous information. We're all fucking used to it. Maybe there is something wrong with it. But the, but the point is, because half of it is just not real. And none of it, we have no privacy. There's no such thing as privacy. There's no privacy. Everybody's looking at you. They're looking at you through your cameras on your computer. Whatever. But I'm not a paranoid conspiracy no, no, theorist. No, no, I know. But, I'm, but I do think that... Um, when I, whenever I'm asked, uh, you know, uh, you know, how does a young band make it? I say they have, you know, at their disposal, they have great tools with, uh, with social media, uh, technology, pro tools. You can make a fucking great demo or record right, in, in your, your own basement, home. Yeah. you know. Uh, but they miss 
wearing their sneakers out and uh, getting out there and shaking some hands. Of course, I mean, of course, you all have friends and you get together, but the only way that we ever did this was to be constantly visible, whether we sucked or not. You know, it wasn't about it, it, sucking was okay. You were going to get better because you started. The people you knew watched you get better, and they brought more people and more people. And that word of mouth credibility, you know, hands down, trumps, beats the fucking. You know how many likes on Facebook you're gonna get? Because right. I mean, all they are. Hey, listen, I got twelve hundred likes. You know that twelve thousand. I got a hundred and twenty thousand likes, guaranteed. Seventy percent of them are a hand job. <laughs> it's just not. And a hand job's a hand job. It's it does. It's nothing else. <laughs> right, right. And I know um, we talked about this in the past too. I know the band it's themselves represents social media. You're on Instagram and Twitter oh. and Facebook. But you yourself are like me. You're a borderline luddite. You despise social media and you don't really want well, to have just, like anybody bothering you. <laughs> I just don't want to be bothered. I mean, my, <laughs> exactly. my friends, my friends that know me, I mean, they have my phone number. Right. You know, and or I go, whoa, Chris, man, it's fucking great. Yeah, I'll take a ride with you. You know, <laughs> it's not like you know, hey, here's a picture of my bike. Well shined up now i'm gonna roll back into the fucking garage and you know okay like <laughs> i'd rather be on a dirty bike <laughs> with bugs between my teeth <laughs> yeah. well I'm, I'm the same way i mean i'm even writing for this new site it's like there, there, there's so much social media stuff it just bugs me it's just like can we just focus on the music and we just you know but i'm the same way and i, I, I use the word luddite because it's not that i don't like modern technology it's just like i'm i'm stuck with a more Last week we had a power shortage. Uh, some guy backed into a transformer, knocked it over. We had no electricity for nine straight hours. Her and I had flashlights, candles, and books. Our son had no idea what to do when he got home from school. Right. You know, because he's just grown up in an era of just everything is instant information, social media and stuff. He eventually pulled out the portable DVD player and popped in, you know, a new Transformers movie and stuff, and that was good. But for the most part, he was just like, you know, and she, I was like, I was like, just, just go inside, let's go do something, you know? Yeah. You know, people just miss that. They're just, you know, and I think that's something, and it's probably in our age group too, you oh, know. Sure, we're, we're, I mean, we're the dinosaurs. We're going to be extinct uh, very soon. But, you know, the, but the, but the point is, is that there's something charming about it, and not because it's, the only thing we know, we know the other side too. Right. It's just right. I prefer um, what what made me what I am, and, right, and that right. didn't make me what I am. And sure, there's there's going to be new bands that come out of social media that are going to ha make great strides and are going to be great bands. I get all of that stuff, but I'll tell you something, man. We had to learn how to play, and we had to know how to shake hands. Yeah. You, I mean, you couldn't be a douchebag, and if you were a douchebag, you better know how to fight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's how it worked. In yeah. the, you know, in the early days, but it was. Um, you know, I, I think it's uh, I think it's kind of special that there's still some of that dinosaur vibe around. Obviously, paired with um, the technological vibe. Right, right. A good healthy balance. Yeah, there's a festival coming up in Columbus in uh, in two weeks here called Sonic Temple. It used to be called Rock on the Range. It was called Sonic Temple. Sure. And Ghost is headlining, but the Cult are on like at four in the afternoon. I'm like. It's called Sonic Temple, and the wow. cult, who've been around 38 wow. years, are not headlining. But Ghost has succeeded because of social media of and because of image. And that's great for them. I mean, I, I, I wish them the best. That's good. I like Richard's yeah. attitude. <laughs> I have issues with him, but that's just me. But um, but no, you're right, and that's good. Um, and I'm glad to see you guys touring with Death Angel. I can't wait. I only heard a few songs from the new album, but I love what I've heard. Um, yeah. I just interviewed Jeff Becerra and the new Possessed is phenomenal. Okay. So I'm loving that too. So it's good to see Nuclear Blast is pushing the bands that have been around for a while and like you said, have been in 
doing this a long time, whether it's east, west, or north, south. I, I agree. I mean, I, I think it's it's a great home for a band like us. It's easy to go into Nuclear Blast and understand that they understand you. I mean, you don't even have to talk to them, and, and you know that they get it. I mean, you're talking to a guy in a possessed shirt or a Death Angel shirt when you're when you're dealing with them at, at the office or, you know, over in Europe or something. So they're, they're fans of it. So, That's awesome. You know, fans hold it, um, I think, that much more special than... You know, bean counters. You know, bean counters are fucking bean counters. Right. You know, it, does, it doesn't matter. It's all about what the you know, the bottom line is at the end of the day or at the end of uh, a quarter. You know, so, uh, but the guys that, uh, you know, the guys in the overkill shirt are the ones who are doing this because they love doing it, that they see the value in it. So that's, uh, it's a good place to be this late in our career. I mean, we, you know, we realize we're coming down to back of the mountain. I mean, we're realists. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? But the, uh, but to, I, I don't think I'd be able to deal with a suit at this point in my life. It yeah. just would be, uh, yeah, it would just be too fucking irritating and I probably wouldn't do it. Yeah, so. t-shirt and jeans has been the better part of my whole life too. Yes, so, I mean, yes. I feel blessed that I've only gone, I've gone through four or five pairs of motorcycle boots on the road that's over, awesome. over these four decades. <laughs> that's good. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah my pleasure, man. Always. Good luck with your new endeavor there. Yeah. Good to see you. Let me get some uh, photos real quick. Yeah, and then... sure.